Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Every week, we're coming together uh, discussing an array of topics. could be uh, ministry leadership one week, it could be theology, uh, and it could be missions. And then sometimes we're having conversations about uh, what the Bible has to say about our mental health or um, our character or spiritual formation. We have a series of classes here at the Bible Institute that address uh, biblical counseling as a model for helping people. And, uh, and it's become a topic that from time to time we like to, to address here on the show. Now this week, we're going to be speaking specifically about the cult of happiness. And it's this idea that society, uh, America specifically, is obsessed with pursuing or chasing after uh, the elation associated with happiness and experiences that are happy and entertaining. So uh, I just want to provide you with a few statistics and, and some ideas to help frame this conversation before we get started today. America specifically is a country consumed with the quest for mental health. The self-improvement market in the United States in 2021 was $11.3 billion industry and is expected by 2025 to be $14 billion. So you can see that uh, Americans are pouring their capital and their resources into uh, this idea of, of well-being and mental health and, and becoming better people and having an experience of life that is, that is better. Despite um, all of this money being spent, the National Alliance of Mental Health Illness reports that 40 million adults in the U.S., that's 19.1% of our country, have an anxiety disorder. So despite all of this investment in mental health, we're, we still have you know, what might be considered a crisis of anxiety in our country. 35% of young people ages 12 to 25 took a prescribed psychoactive drug in 2020. Uh, these statistics, all of these things, there's many, many more that would support what we're talking about. The, but these statistics represent a great contradiction in our society who in our very declaration of independence uh, says that we are liberated to pursue happiness. In other words, we're a country that's defined by our desire and our willingness to go and, and pursue whatever we consider to make us happy, whatever that thing is. We've got, we've got space to do that. And that's who we are by definition. And yet, and yet all of that pursuit of happiness has maybe only just resulted in greater heartache and disappointment. So today I have the privilege of interviewing uh, one of my best friends, a professor here at LFBI, Jonathan Kindler, uh, also a professional counselor by occupation. He teaches our biblical counseling courses here at LFBI. And uh, those have become very, very popular classes. They've been very helpful for people. And they're helping establish biblical counseling ministries across the fellowship and abroad. And so uh, we're really excited about having him. And with that, uh, John, welcome to the show again. Hey. Hey, what's up? Glad to be here, man. How was class this morning? It was great. Yeah, um, yeah I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing the um, the lab this semester. And the biblical awesome. counseling lab. Explain what that is. So it's, the, it's really the... Um, the practical application of the intro class. So we're, we're, we're going through um, what it looks like to be a biblical counselor, uh, sitting with people and, and working through some content and then breaking out into groups and going over vignettes and having a lot of class discussion on how do, how do we actually implement the Bible into people's life in a real effective, mm -hmm. practical way. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and a lot of eye-opening 
moments for people probably. It is. And, and we're, we're uh, one of the most um, enjoyable parts of it is we're looking at what communication tools we can actually use to do that. So handing people real tools to be able to then um, implement the biblical truth through. And it, it, yeah, it just gives people like something tangible to work with when they're sitting with counselees. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Getting the theology in the intro class is awesome because now you got, you got a framework. Right. But the lab actually is, you know, you become a practitioner. It's the method. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to be able to, to know the biblical truth, you know, the theology behind something. And uh, I think that, you know, if you spent any time in your word and you, you know, been coming to church anytime, it, it's not difficult to assess like, oh, this is what's happening in your life. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole nother thing to figure out a way to communicate that to someone um, who has, you know, who's struggling, who's, who needs to be recovered from the snare of the devil right. from the scripture we look at. So we need to be gentle and um, to be able to be apt to teach. And so that's what we're fleshing out for them is what it actually looks like to to provide them with the tools to be able to commun- communicate the truth that they have. So, Well, it's it's producing really good counselors. I mean, I'm excited about the, the counseling ministries. You know, having skilled laborers is going to be really important. Yeah, I think. we need, I mean... We need it. Clearly. I yeah. mean, based on the statistics we just went over. Yeah. As you were reading those, I was like, man, it's so, it's always wild to hear you just this percentages of people um, and, you know, what people are wrestling with. And uh, it makes sense, you know, when you think about, um, you know, even like the framework of biblical counseling versus secular clinical counseling, the clinical world's goal uh, is to reduce symptomology. So if someone comes in with anxiety and depression, like you're mm-hmm. reading some of those stats, the, the, the goal is to reduce those. So I want you to feel less anxious. I want you to feel less depressed. And we have lots of different means to do that. Um, one of the major ones you're pointing out is, you know, psych meds, you know, mm-hmm. here's, here's a, a SSRI. Here's a, here's a pill that you can take that, uh, can, can, um, produce more serotonin or actually allow for more serotonin to stay in your brain so that you feel better. Yeah. It's the illusion of happiness. It is. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's unfortunate, like with the biblical framework of counseling, um, we're looking to, we, we identify that anxiety and depression is is unpleasant, but it's also gauges that God has equipped our body with to let us know that something's not working. Mm-hmm. So if we're busy reducing symptoms, you know, rather than addressing the root issue, then we're producing, you know, um, a lot of un, um, unhappy people, oh, right? yeah. which is the, is kind of the, the irony of it. You know, it creates this self-fulfilling cycle that we're pursuing happiness only to produce more unhappiness sure. in terms of the actual feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever asked you, have you read A Brave New World? No. Have you read that? You should read that. Okay. It's really good. Is there? Is it's there, a dystopian. Is book. there a, a audio book for it? There's an audio book for sure. Because I yeah, could, it's a famous book. I'll actually probably listen to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's On worth one and a half percent speed. speed. Yeah. 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 Times. The the idea is that in the in the book, uh, it was is basically. I mean, it was almost prophetic of what you know the West was becoming. But it's a society of people that basically take drugs to create the illusion of happiness and. Uh, the main character is, is breaking free from that mm-hmm. and embracing hardship and difficulty. And, and so it's like the matrix. He becomes a, re- a rebel. Yeah. It's like the, uh, yeah, it's like a better version of the matrix. Oh, matrix weird. two is terrible. Oh dude. I've you been like watching matrix them. Two? I've been watching them while I'm running on the treadmill. Yeah. It's amazing. 
You yeah. like Matrix too? I uh, I like I like the idea of all the Matrixes. Yeah, they're better as ideas than they are yeah, actual movies. That's true. Yeah. Most sci-fi is. So let's go ahead and frame this okay. topic a little bit, particularly the sociological side of this. So, from your perspective, why do you think we are so obsessed with creating a happier life for ourselves as as, as a people group? Why is that so true of us? Well, I mean, you were kind of mentioning it earlier, you talked about like the Declaration of Independence. So our, our nation is founded on the idea of pursuing happiness as a, a right, a human right, right which is, um, is an, um, an important um, failure in, you know, in terms of assessing the problem because um, that's the wrong goal from the beginning. But when we live in you know, a society like just within, you know, any successful society, um, when you meet the foundational needs of a human, whether, you know, if they have their uh, food and shelter and all of that's taken care of, then you have the privilege to, t to start looking towards pleasure. Yeah. To seek self-actualization, which mm -hmm. is like in Maslow's hierarchy of right. need. It's like now that you have these foundational things established, you can start working towards um, what is, what feels good. And, yeah. um, I think, you know, when, when you experience the taste of that, you move towards, um, enjoyment of those pleasures and avoidance of pain. And that's really became the, the framework of most modern societies is, a, is moving away from pain and moving towards self-gratification. Yeah. You know, America is, we've got insurance, we've got houses. Um, it's a fairly stable country for all its instabilities. And we've become obsessed with finding greater and greater creature comforts. Right. Um, it's become expansive. Right. And I, you know, we can't, so it makes sense that we, we do that. You know, I, this is a human condition, mm -hmm. you know, it's like from the beginning, like even in the garden, you know, we, we were created, God created us with legitimate needs. And then he placed us in a place where all of those needs were met, you know, so um, we're not there anymore. And yeah. so everything that we do uh, in the flesh is trying to claw our way back into some state of the right. garden with our illegitimate solutions with legitimate needs. So we were constantly trying to have the kingdom without the, the king or the right have the blessing without the blesser. So that's, that's really the world system is mm -hmm. wanting to uh, be our own God. Mm -hmm. And so when you live in a, a society where all of your fundamental needs are taken care of, the, the next pursuit is to be able to uh, pursue, yeah, that gratification. When, you know, you, you meet with people clinically um, with all kinds of issues and, you know, they they're convinced that they're looking for a happier life, right? So they may frame it that way. What are pe what are people uh, saying? What are their expectations uh, when they when they talk about happiness? What do they actually mean by that? Based you know just based on the consensus of your conversations. Yeah, so uh, that's true. People come in and they have an ideal um, expectation for what will come from from counseling. The hope of uh, people want to be happy. They want to feel fulfilled in their life and usually come in feeling stuck and dissatisfied, caught in some cycle that's not really working for them. And I think the the best biblical picture is like the rich young ruler, mm -hmm. you know, who's like 
you know, he came to Jesus with the same thing. There's kind of a counseling session that happened right there with yeah. Jesus. He was like, you know, um, hey, I've, I've done everything right. And I'm still, you know, like, what, what's the deal? What do I got to do? And, and Jesus cut to the heart of the matter by identifying that, um, that he, his, his um, sense of self, his contentment, the person, his identity was wrapped up in, in something that's not sustainable, right, mm-hmm. in his riches. And so we have the verse where it talks about, like, it would be easier for this kind of man to get, uh, or be easier for a camel, rather, to get through the eye of a needle from this kind of man to get into heaven. Because when we are like God's, we don't rely on God. Right. And so a lot of times people's expectation is to, I mean, really, if they were able to articulate it this way, they want to be the, the God of their own universe. Mm-hmm. And that's fundamentally flawed because that wasn't, you know, like we said earlier, that's, that's not what we were created for. Yeah. So how does this manifest though? So when we're talking about people, I mean, just frame it for us a little bit in an American setting. Um, and this is probably true to varying degrees, no matter which audience we're talking about, but we're familiar, obviously, with, you know, the Midwest, sure. America. What are people doing to chase happiness? Like, what are, what are the manifestations specifically of what they're doing in order to find the happiness that they think that they want so much? I mean, relationally or, you know, experientially, what yeah. are they doing? Yeah, well, so what we, you and I were saying earlier, like the idea of having legitimate needs— so God created us with all of these universal needs um, to be known, to, to have purpose, to, 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 to have value, um, to have trajectory in our life. God created us this way, but we have come up with all kinds of illegitimate solutions. So that could look like anything, you know, that, that brings about some sort of relief or satisfaction. So, you know, Solomon said, any, you know, everything under the sun. He's actually a really good example of of what this looks like. Yeah, you know? it's true. He had he had access to everything. You know, grew up under his father David, who provided him with every financial. You know, he had everything, and he had concubines and pursued all of that, only to find that uh, you know it was all vanity. So mm-hmm. there is this um, illegitimate solution. It really looks like whatever is accessible to that individual. You know, so. Um, and we kind of judge this on the surface because sometimes it, it could look actually really good. You know, like, hey, um, my illegitimate solution is being a really good dad and a good Bible study leader. And these are uh, uh, my hopes for being a hap- having a happy life. Mm-hmm. Or it could be heroin, you know, right. or some sort of uh, sexual perversion or, or whatever it might be. It's something that we're, that we're reaching towards that we have access to that in the moment feel, fills us, but then it's fleeting. Mm-hmm. So it's like a cup that has a the hole in the bottom. It's yeah. something that we keep having to fill. And that really is... Uh, I'm smiling because <laughs> you started using this illustration and yesterday I was driving okay. and there was a guy walking with, with his wife. He had a quick trip cup. It was yeah. like a styrofoam cup. Okay. And he's walking and it had a hole in the bottom. <laughs> this is the guy. Yeah. yeah. And he, he made his wife pour her drink out <laughs> so he could pour his cup into hers and Classic. keep his, and keep his cup. But it was a, it was a mess. And I was so glad I was at a stop stoplight and I got to watch the whole oh thing. Oh my unfold. goodness. Yeah. It was windy. They're the probably one of my couples that I work that you, with. They, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. this is their whole life is. Yeah, is that's a metaphor for their whole life. Yeah, right. It's like give me your cup so I can be satisfied. Right. Yeah. It was 
it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, but, that's but it. what you're saying, it made me think made me think of that because it it's it is like that. It's like you're never gonna find satisfaction, and so what you do is you keep upping the ante, right? Yeah. So yeah. whatever it is that you are looking for happiness in, it has to somehow uh, accelerate, or it has to you know escalate at some in some way in order to be feel as though it's sustainable. Right. It's not any different than a drug addiction right. where you have to, the hit has to be bigger and better each time. It is an addiction. Yeah. yeah. And the problem with it is it's the wrong destination. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when, when we're pursuing happiness as like our, uh, you know, our means for uh, contentment, um, it's like this mirage, you know, it's this thing that we're constantly reaching for. And the, and the, the main shift is moving away from pain. Like that's, like that's the thing that we've deemed as bad. So whatever is hard or painful, and that's, that's so untrue about life, right? Mm-hmm. Like we need pain. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I meet, one of the things that is so powerful to communicate to my counselees when I'm meeting with them is like, hey, this anxiety is good. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this depression is good. Why? Well, it, it's not enjoyable. It's incredibly painful. And let's honor how it's impacted your life. But also look what it's leading you to. Yeah. And that's true of anything. You know, it's like anything worth really having, you know, creates some sort of pain. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you go work out at the gym and it's painful. You yeah. you want to have a degree in something? Well, you have to spend a lot of hard nights studying. It's like, that's the truth about life. And so if we're constantly avoiding pain for momentary pleasure, then it creates stuckness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now, before we get too far, I want to take a moment. We're going to bash this idea of happiness. Like it's going to sound like we're just trashing happiness, but happiness isn't necessarily wrong. Uh, In fact, there's, it's it's a biblical, it's supported biblically. Happiness is a good thing, but it's the issue is the, is the addiction to pursuing the happiness. And so maybe you can just for a moment explain to us why there's nothing necessarily wrong with happiness itself. So happiness is the outcome of a subject, subjective favorable happenstance, meaning happiness in itself is neither good nor bad. So desiring happiness uh, becomes an issue when it's a person's primary solution and system of measurement for stability. So if it's the way that they are stable, if it's the thing that holds them together, then that's when it becomes an idol uh, that robs God of glory and derails us from the reason God created us for the mission. Yeah, it's... And, I, and we've had conversations about emotion before on, on this, this show and in, in previous episodes, but it goes back to this idea that because emotions um, or experiential feelings mm-hmm. are fleeting and, and hard to stabilize when they become the center of our character, right? Uh, it causes everything else to kind of crumble and become un- unstable as well. So whether it be anger you know, um, you know, people are addicted to anger. People are addicted to depression. They get yeah. stuck there. Yeah, everything else kind of teeters on it, and it, and because it it is unstable, it, it moves and shifts everything in accordance. So, if someone's pursuit is happiness, if it's the main objective, right? When they don't have happiness, everything is falling apart. Right. right. Yeah. So it creates a fragile person because the only way that you can feel stable is if you're getting that instant gratification. Mm -hmm. So similar with emotions. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. My name is Blade Spiza. I'm from Living Faith Lee Summit in the Kansas City, Missouri area. And I just want to share a little bit about LFBI. It feels like a commercial, and I don't want it to be that. I actually want to speak to you just as an individual who loves God and wants to serve God and give your life to Him. LFBI, though it may seem academic, is actually an opportunity for you to have an intimate walk with the Lord. And, you know, you go through discipleship, you get involved in ministry, and, and as you continue to grow, God gives you stuff, and you begin investing in people. And a lot of times, uh, as you begin investing in people, you, you fail to get fed yourself. And so I know for me, as a growing leader in ministry, I've, I've found seasons in my life that are really dry, and LFBI has been amazing for me just to be reminded of, about how awesome the Word of God is and how faithful God has been and, and how perfect God's Word is for me. And uh, I would just encourage you this semester to, to take on a little bit more. Maybe you're thinking, I don't, ha I don't have time. <laughs> I, I'm so busy. You know, I, I feel like I'm just doing too much. I, I want to encourage you that LFBI doesn't have to be academic. You can actually approach God's Word devotionally in that time and trust Him to speak to you in the quietness of a classroom setting. If you're on the fence about LFBI, I just want to encourage you to get started uh, by signing up for a class. If you've never done it, I encourage you to, to hop in maybe to a Bible survey class or foundations. Um, if, if you've been doing LFBI for a little while and you understand the workload, take on a little bit more. Step out in faith. To enroll for classes, visit LFBI.org. To support LFBI, please visit LFBI.org support. Emotions uh, are really misunderstood. They're not, they're not means of identifying truth. They're merely just letting us know where we're at, yeah. which is really helpful mm -hmm. because it allows us to identify uh, you know, our position, our coordinates in contrast to God's word. Right. right? And so, yeah, it's the same thing. If we're focusing on something that's so you know, unstable as our emotions, then we're going to be unstable. Sure. And God does want to make us happy. Like when we're happy in him. Right. And yeah. that's, a, that's a great thing. Uh, it's just not, even in, with that, it's not a sustainable thing. There's sure. other things that God prefers us, you know, have with him in terms of our intimacy and relationship right. with him. Um, there's, there's other emotions, other experiences, but also just other truths that we have to hold on to. Um, happiness is not, is just not always going to be with us. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in light of that, what is the preferred state of being? I mean, we, if, if, if not happy, what? Yeah. So uh, God didn't set us apart to be happy. Mm -hmm. He set us apart to be holy. You know, mm -hmm. we look throughout scripture. I have some here, first uh, Peter 1, 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. So when we live set apart, we shift from seeking happiness for, from our happenstances to having access to joy, which is, uh, that comes with having a right relationship with mm. God through Jesus. Mm -hmm. So this is, um, you know, we're kind of shifting our, our foundation uh, away from something that is fragile, like happiness. And if we're going to be talking about some, some state of being, we want to be talking about joy. Yeah. Having a posture of joy. 
Joy always transcends happiness because happiness is founded on feelings, whereas joy is founded on faith, mm-hmm. right? We have faith in what Jesus Christ did, and that is sustainable. So what you're saying is, is that, that joy, not happiness, is the primary pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um, joy is emotion-like, but it, it transcends emotions in that it, it's rooted in truth and faith. It's more of a state of being. Yeah, and, and, and joy is a, the emotional state. It is an emotional state of impending gain, but the concept of gain can be uh, can look different based on the perspective. So mm. what is gain? Well, from God's perspective, gain can look like pain, right? We see in uh, Romans uh, chapter five, we, we have this kind of this cycle that plays out. It says that we can glory in tribulation. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it produces patience and patience experience and experience hope. Yeah. And that builds faith, which then leads to joy, right? And so there's this there's this cycle that we have there. So we can take something like something really difficult, like a hard situation in our life. And if our perspective is different, so now if I'm, if I'm pursuing pleasure, now all of a sudden I'm derailed because how am I supposed to glory in that? This yeah. is interrupting my pleasure. This is interrupting feeling happy, but I can glory in it because I have perspective that it's going to produce something in me. Right. It's going to produce patience, experience, hope. Right, and then I needeth not be ashamed to, for that, right? Because I know what it's going to do. I know who's providing it through the Holy Spirit. So that's really the the shift is that we can actually live in a life that has all kinds of emotional experiences without it changing the state of joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, pain and happiness are always in conflict with each other. But, yes, but joy is not in conflict with any emotional experience or life experience or circumstance. Right. It as a fruit of the spirit, it functions divinely above all of that because it has the ability to create perspective over all of it. Right. So you just mentioned uh of joy being one of the fruits of the spirit and in order to have the fruit of the spirit, we have to walk in the spirit and mm-hmm. walking is, is relational. We're walking with God, we're yeah. walking with Christ. And so one of the major components in order to have access to joy is to be in proximity to, to Christ. So we have joy comes from a relationship with Jesus and it's from the father of hope and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Romans 15, 13 is, is powerful. It says, mm-hmm. now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing and that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this provides us that with this, this context for accessing continuous joy. It fills the hole in the bottom of the cup, right? Because we desperately need um, to, to be sealed, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're sealed, then we can have a state of joy, right? Yeah. When we're in proximity, when we have that um, uh, intimate connection with Christ. Mm. So, um, my cat's a great example, though. It, it constantly wants happiness, and it's contingent on his circumstances. He's meowing at me for food. He wants into the rooms he's not supposed to. He's constantly doing things he's not supposed to do. Yeah. Whereas a dog, they're just stoked to be around. It's a, it's that's a, true. It's a posture of joy. And, you know, one thing that you can do with a cat that's, that's really fun is if you have a laser pointer, they, they chase that thing around constantly, right? And as soon as they get to it 
and they put their paws on it, it's gone, which right. is happiness, yeah. right? Yeah. We're constantly pursuing this thing that's a vapor, right? Mm-hmm. And, that, and, that's, and that's really what you see people doing in our right. world. They're, they're constantly looking for chasing after this thing that's really an illusion to mm-hmm. the cat. Uh, Gideon, my cat, thinks that he is going to be able to capture the laser, you know, and he mm-hmm. can't, you know, and um, so he's constantly dissatisfied. Wow. Yeah, that's, and that's good. That's, you know, so many of us struggle with that. So many of us don't even know that we're doing it. And yet we've got a list of expectation, expectations for our life. You know, if, if I just, if I get this house situation right. worked out, if I, get the, if I get the car and I stop having these car problems, if I eliminate that variable right. in my life and I, and, I, and I fill it with some sort of satisfaction, then I'll finally have peace. Then I'll finally be able to have the thing that I want. And it just doesn't work that way. It's the reason why the church is full of depressed people. Mm. Because it's a, for, like, we have so many ways that we can try to be happy uh, that are, um, you know, just Christian activity. It's a form of godliness, but there's yeah. no power in it. Right. It, the, the activity isn't bad, but it, um, but it's not rooted in being um, with the Father. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it's a act activity it's a behavior you know and and because of that it ends up being powerless mm-hmm. you know um one of the things that we've been covering in in the counseling lab is as we go through how to practically identify and address um uh, anxiety and depression we we have this this picture and uh, i think it's is it first timothy 1 7 uh, we haven't been given the spirit of fear, but of power, mm. love, and a sound mind. So if we have a spirit of fear, which is usually the foundation, I'm afraid that I'm not going to have what I need. Mm-hmm. We, we call it FOMO, right? Yeah. A fear of missing out right. on what? On on the thing that should gratify me. Mm-hmm. So we're afraid. And because of that, we forfeit power, power, which is the fruit of the spirit, love, which is self-sacrificial instead of self-preserve, uh, self-sacrificial yeah. instead of self-preserving, yeah. right? And then uh, we don't have a sound mind. Our heart and our mind are not kept in Christ Jesus. And so we're thinking and feeling all kinds of things. And so um, we have to be able to implement putting off the old man and putting on the new man. There's a whole structure that God has given us to be able to identify this old man, even as believers, we still walk uh, in pursuit of the things that we want in the flesh. And we have to put that off so that we can put on what God has given us, which may be pain, which may be hardship, but we can glory in it. And with that, then we can have the fruit of the spirit. Yeah, this is, this is good. So that that actually begins to cover the, the next question that I have. And it's this idea that there, there's got to be a way, right? Um, you, we've talked about intimacy with Christ, and, and but I'm thinking about our listeners. What are the practical things that they can do um, conscientiously? What can they do in terms of putting off? I mean, I think there has to be some perspective and some recognition that takes place in a person's life. You know, they have to assess things rightly. But how do they go about the process of that putting off and putting on? What does that look like? Give us some examples. Yeah, the, so the picture that I think of uh, and that I, I use in the in the lab is the idea of like demoing and renovating a house. Okay. So when you go into that process of of doing this, you you know you have to assess the project. So we put off. 
the old man. So we go in, we identify all of the decay, and we we tear it all out, and then we have to purge it, right? Mm-hmm. We surrender it and we forsake it, right? Yeah, you clean it from off the site so that you right. can begin anew. Right. So now you have this this structure that has been cleaned out, and then we put on the new man, which means that we need to we need to implement new material. We bring in God's word and we implement it, and we can't just be hearers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. So we find practical uh, ways to uh, effectively implement God's word into our life. So uh, we have to, to, to cast out vain imaginations. We have to mm-hmm. take our thoughts captive, actually. Yeah. You know, we, we have to really be honest with ourselves about the things that we're doing that's not sustainable and replace them with things that are. And, and we have to surround ourselves with people that will encourage us to do that. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, when we, we do that, we can have victory, and the outcome of that is going to be joy. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I was thinking about the story of your sister tearing out the bathroom. Yeah. With, and then her husband, Nick, came home and didn't know that she was tearing out the bathroom. I couldn't help but think of that yes. story. Oh, my gosh. I haven't thought about that in forever. Yeah. That was so funny when I heard that. So, so funny he's now, at work. He wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but as you're using that illustration, I was thinking... But I think there's something to that because it also made me think of the story of of the man who purged his home of the the evil spirits. But because there wasn't a renovation project behind that, you know, there was no reconstruction. There was no reconstruction. There was no building up. There was no filling with faith. Right. Um, There was no. There was no power, and it left him more susceptible. Yes. And I think that we could do that. If we're just saying, oh, well, there's this area of inconsistency in my life. There's something incongruent in my life. I recognize that it's wrong. Uh, let me deal with that. Mm-hmm. We're just going to replace it with some other addiction Absolutely. to some other form of happiness. Which um, is is one of the things that is prescribed in, in clinical counseling. It's called symptom substitution. It's like, stop doing that and do this instead. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's not nearly as bad. You know, uh, I've, you know, there's, there's therapists that prescribe pornography because it's better than an affair. It's like, well, that's, oh my gosh. Right. Like this is better. Right. Because they were like cheating on their wife. Now they're just lusting after other women. Dude, that is, that is jacked. That's a real prescription. Right. So it, I mean, you think about like the practical application of that, it's devastating, mm. right? And it's so discouraging for the counselee because here they are trying to work through and, and fix what's happening in their life only to let in another demon, right? Wow. You know, um, it's so vital that we are doers of the word. And I think that's kind of hard for us uh, in our culture to, to acknowledge. Like we don't want to have anyone tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. We don't want to submit to anything. Uh, truth is subjective. We want to do what we want to do. And that's mainly the problem with counseling is because when you, uh, clinical counseling is that you meet with somebody and the, the goal of the counselor is to identify what is this individual's truth so I can help them live that out. Mm. Right. And that's, so obviously that's not going to be sustainable. And it, and it's, we don't even live by that, you know, uh, ourselves, like with our kids, we don't do that with our kids. Like when we tell our kids that we want them to do something, we expect them to do it. Yeah. Right. And the fact that we're telling them is be, you know, the reason why we're telling them to do it is because we know that it's good for them. Right. You know, I think about my son who, you know, every dinner, you know, every night at dinner, we battle um, okay. because he likes bar bars. 
which is his way of saying that like he a wants granola bar a or? granola bar, okay. right? Which that's what he wants to eat. He's like bar bar for right? every meal. Ever. Yeah, that's what he wants. Yeah, and and bananas. It's like, dude, he and I are the same. Yeah, you guys are the same person. <laughs> so he wants bar bars and bananas, and it's like. So he had, you know, he's sitting there at dinner and my wife's an awesome cook. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, dude, I'm not leading you astray. Open your mouth. I'm like trying to force feed him this. You need to obey me. And what's, what's incredible is when he opens his mouth and he actually eats it, it happens every night. He kind of gets this like, like look on his face. He's like, dang, that was good. (laughs) And then he kind of like picks them up and eats it. And then after that, he's just like gobbling it up. Right. Because now he's experienced that the truth, the truth is that when he's not just a hearer, but a doer, yeah. that it produces something in his life that's, that's actually enjoyable. And, and, and healthy and right for him. Right. It's good for him. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, we need to be able to implement that uh, as adults, right? Like when, when we, when our authority, when the word of God says, this is what you do, we don't want to just be hearers of that. You know, this is James one twenty two, mm-hmm. but be ye doers of the word and he, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Like we deceive ourselves when we're not doers of the word because yeah. we have God's uh, practical application, we have His prescription for joy, uh, yet we we move to something that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think ultimately one of the things we have to figure out is how do we establish this persistent joy and how is it related to the mission? Because I do think the mission conversation is, is critical right. here. So how, maybe let's talk about that for a minute. Like what, how, what role does the mission play in establishing consistent? Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. Like why, why, why do you exist? If you don't have that foundational truth, you know, that leads us to the gospel right? Which then leads us to the mission. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you don't know why you're here, then you're, you're just kind of flailing about. And so it, it starts to make a lot of sense why the world is obsessed with happiness, because what else are they going to do? It is the mission. It is the mission. Yeah. That's it. You know, we can't condemn them for pursuing pleasure uh, if they have no purpose mm-hmm. other than, you know, feeling good now. Yeah. And so when you know, you know, what God created you for, then it shifts your whole perspective because now pain matters. It means something, you know, pleasure is a distraction from something good. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like, I'm a, I like to run, uh, you know, and I, if I, the only thing that keeps me accountable to running is like signing up for a race. So if I sign up for the race, right. man, like I don't want to run hard. That that's not fun. It, it's, it's exhausting. It hurts, but I do that because of the mission. I don't, I want to be successful at, you know, on that day. Right. So Mm -hmm. to speak. So I I think it's important for us to know where we're headed in order to uh, know what to, to live for now. And uh, there's this, there's this connection, I think, between his will and his mission and his pleasure. So, you know, I think, you know, Ephesians chapter one, uh, Philippians chapter two, when God sees us working according to his will, Mm Mm-hmm it produces in him good pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I think if we have that relationship with Christ that you're describing, we in turn will find pleasure in the things that God has, has pleasure in. Like there's nothing wrong with pleasure. There's nothing wrong with happiness. There's right. nothing wrong with feeling those things, right. but they should be 
they should be coming to us. If they're going to be fleeting and they're going to be momentary, they should be coming to us in the form that they mm. come to God in. Right. And that is in being used for the mission's sake. When a soul comes to Christ, um, that's not something to, to just be like, oh, okay, and move on. It's something worth finding great pleasure in, finding yeah. joy. If you're going to addict yourself with anything, mm-hmm. it ought to be the ministry because it's the, it's the thing that bring God, brings God pleasure and happiness. Yeah, and so we read passages where it says that God will give us the desires of our heart. Well, that's in the context of our heart being aligned with God's heart. Right. Mm-hmm. So when our heart is aligned with God's heart and, and we naturally come before him, what we're going to be asking for is things that are in line with his will. And so what am I getting happy about? Well, right. you know, it's based on where my heart resides. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I think about like, you know, Jonah, is, I teach Jonah mm-hmm. in, in the Bible Institute in the survey class. And the issue with his incongruence ultimately was that the, that his heartbeat yeah. was different than God's heartbeat. Heart, right. his, God's heartbeat was for the nations. Right. Jonah had a heartbeat that was not in alignment with that. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the book, you've got this suicidal expose, guy. This expose. Why, why are you ang- Why are you finding pleasure in your anger? Mm-hmm. You know why is it that that's what you're pursuing? Right. When I've just saved an entire city. I mean, right. you're sitting on this hill and look down upon what brings me pleasure mm-hmm. and find find your pleasure in that thing. But we don't do that. We want to. We we would replace that with a gourd and, right. a, and a heartbeat. Right. But then what happens to the gourd? Right. It's just as fleeting. It withers. The, yeah, man. It's That's the hole. Good... In, it's the hole in the cup thing. Right. It's right back to that. We will not find sustainable happiness in in anything outside the of the pleasures of God. It's the only reasonable response. Like. I think about Jonah, it's like his, his posture at the end of all of that, that's the only reasonable outcome when his heart posture wasn't in line with God's. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the only place that leads. He, he was angry, he was depressed, he wanted to kill himself, like because his heart wasn't aligned with God's heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when you meet with people and um, you're working towards establishing joy, what are some very practical things that you would say to somebody who's wanting to build a perspective shift? They're, they're trying to scaffold a shift in, their, in the way that they think to get to a place where they're pursuing a walk with Jesus Christ. Yeah, so what you're describing, we've, you know, when we walk through that, that passage in Ephesians, when we put off and now we're putting on the mm-hmm. new man, uh, I've created uh, an, an acronym for... Um, a biblical procedure for lasting change. And the, the word and the acronym is change. So we'll just walk through it if you want. So change, uh, the C is call upon wisdom from the Lord. Okay, so when we call upon wisdom from the Lord, this looks like shifting our contemplations of worry to conversations with God. Mm. So this is a major issue with people is that they spend too much time listening to themselves instead of talking to themselves. Yeah. You know, David says, why art thou troubled, O my soul, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's talking to himself, right? What's, what's the deal, right? What's the deal with you? So we need to, um, we need to self-counsel by uh, calling upon the wisdom of the Lord. We go to the Lord rather than just being stuck in ourselves. Right. H is humble yourself under the control of the Holy Spirit. So this looks like subjecting your fear uh, to, fa- to the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work on our behalf. So we have to humble ourselves and acknowledge that within us, we don't have the capacity or the power to really address our, our own issues. So we have to humble ourselves. Mm. 
A, we have to admit unbiblical deeds. So this is our thoughts, our words, and our actions. We admit these things to the Lord. So this looks like confessing um, our negative beliefs, confessing our sin uh, to the Lord, and then moving uh, towards Him in a, a posture of repentance, mm-hmm. okay? And so then uh, in we notice, so this is, uh, we, this is conducting a self-evaluation. So this looks like making a list of all of the unbiblical things in our life. This gets really practical, right? Yeah. So we, can, we go through in our life and go, how am, I, how am I not living according to what I'm hearing, right? Mm. Like, what am I doing that's not aligning with what I'm hearing? And then we gird up our loins. This is G, we gird up our loins. This looks like preparing ourselves for action. So this gets even more practical. It's a daily plan for addressing uh, our problems, right? So right. our presenting issues. So making a list of biblical put-ons. This is what I'm going to put on, and we can walk through Scripture and, like, you know, we have our verses. Like, this is the verse that I need to be putting on. Um, mm. And as we do that, it allows us to have contingency plans for temptation. So we know what pitfalls we fall into. So what does it practically look like? Do I need to get rid of? some people in my life? Do I need to get rid of some applications on my phone? Do, mm-hmm. you know, what do I need to do to be able to make sure that I'm not going to be falling into the things that I typically put on that are in the flesh? Yeah, that's good. And then finally, we have to establish, this is the E, we establish a biblical support system. So these are the people that uh, surround you, that God has put in your path that are going to provoke you towards love and to good works. This is a support system uh, that are willing to challenge you when you're uh, not living um, the way that God's called you when you're putting on the old stuff. So this is change, right? Yeah. If you, if man, if somebody actually did this, they would they would march their self right out of any pit or any you know when we think about the the verse the the snare of the devil mm-hmm. that they need to recover themselves from. Yeah. So that's the. That would be a very hands-on way to uh, help somebody on a daily basis. Man, that's really good. Very, very helpful and, and a great practical way for us to kind of button up this episode. Uh, but I, you know, take a moment as we go to advocate for people taking biblical counseling seriously and and, and considering cl- classes at LFBI is is a way we talk about biblical counseling that that we as Bible believers prefer uh, a biblical counseling approach to that of an integration or a secular approach that we see, we see these all around us in, in, um, in our world. Mm -hmm. We say that, but then we don't, we don't learn the skills necessary. I mean, we need to learn the book, you know, we need to learn the Bible and then we need to figure out how to apply the Bible to people's lives. Why do we need biblical counseling classes at LFBI? Yeah. Well, so um, we do, uh, I think we, we do a decent job, at least in our, our body, you know, speaking for our church, we, mm-hmm. we do a good job of, of studying the scriptures, right? Like we study to show ourselves approved. We read God's word. We apply it in that way. Um, biblical counseling is just creating language to communicate those things to other people who are in need. Mm-hmm. And so the, the reason we need that in our, our institute is to, to be able to provide space for people to have practical ways of thinking about distressing situations. So uh, situations people get in, they're presenting issues, and then helping biblically uh, just work through that and what that looks like. And man, everybody is you know able to be a biblical counselor. Mm-hmm. If you know God's word, then you can learn the tools to how to help others 
walk through that. So yeah. that's, I mean, I, I think everybody uh, who holds a Bible in their hand should know how to, to walk alongside somebody with it, you know? Yeah. The, the biggest plug for biblical counseling is to, uh, to effectively share the gospel. Mm. If you want to share the gospel with somebody, meet with them on their darkest day. Yeah. You know, when you sit with somebody who is struggling and they have gotten to the end of their, their pursuit of happiness, then you can actually present them with the gospel. And so, I mean, that's the, the, the number one goal of biblical counseling is to see people come to know Jesus Christ yeah. in a real way in their life and for that to be lived out in their life. Dude, thanks, John. Yeah, thank you, man. I love, I love the postscript. I love everybody in this room. I think this is an amazing ministry and I really like the new sign, bro. Yeah, I mean, this is partially because of your request, the sign. Yeah. You were really serious. I, the well, brick, I was like, I'm not coming back until there's something legitimate here. Yeah. Yeah. We went, Looks we good. worked through a lot of different ideas. You, you felt like the brick wall was a little bit 90s you know, stagnant and unexciting. Well, it kind of looked like a fake backdrop from like, like all that or something, you know, <laughs> on Nickelodeon, on SNCC, on Nickelodeon. It's like, what is this? Like, yeah, yeah no, this, this is, is better. Good. This is more professional. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for all the good ideas and for the information today. Really helpful. Love you, bro. All right, love you too. And uh, we love you too. And we're so thankful that you're joining us every week uh, for the postscript. Uh, it means so much to us. And we do pray that it is an asset to you in, in terms of your own spiritual formation and development. We want an episode like this to be ab above all things, something that helps you in your walk and helps you to recognize where are the areas in my life where I'm pursuing happiness over uh, the pleasure and the joy of, of knowing the Lord and, and walking with Him? And we really do pray that, that the main thing from today's episode is that you discover those things in your own life and begin to work through them. But with that, we do want to advocate for the biblical counseling classes here at LFBI. If you have an interest in the methodology associated with applying the things that you know from God's Word, come join us and uh, learn how to work with people, learn how to speak with people, learn how to understand the, the many, many different complex issues that people bring into, uh, into a counseling environment, things that they're struggling with. Learn how to speak into those things using God's word. We wanna invite you to do that. Visit lfbi.org and learn more about our program of study. But with all that said, we love you. We're grateful that you're with us this week and we wanna invite you back again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.